Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Ann and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me as well as my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren, and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. What is going on? Welcome into a new edition of the BSN Nuggets podcast. Harrison Wind here on a Thursday presented today by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations. You can also browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. And if you use promo code BSN20, you can get 20% off your entire purchase. Here's what I got planned for the show today. Not a lot. A few things I wanted to hit on. Got a couple fan mail submissions to my inbox. Wind at bsndenver.com. If you have questions, comments for the show, you guys seem to be enjoying that. Got a couple that I want to get to today. One on Jamal Murray, one on Mason Plumley. So yeah, if you guys ever have questions for the show throughout the offseason, submit them at wind at bsndenver.com. You can also hit up the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. I'll get to those probably on Friday's show if there's any there. 1-800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394. Also touch on Nicole Jokic. First team all NBA over Joel Embiid. Those results coming through Thursday afternoon. I'm a little surprised. I had Jokic as my first team All NBA center. I didn't think he'd win by the margin he did. So I'll break down what I thought about that race between Jokic and Embiid, something that had really been going on for most of the season, and why I really had Jokic as the definite front runner, at least in my book, over Embiid, and why I think his playoff performance kind of cemented that status and why I think the voters definitely got it right. I did not have a vote, but it was a pretty convincing outcome, I think. One that I definitely think caught a couple people off guard. I wouldn't have been surprised if Embiid got first team all NBA, but hey, Nuggets are getting some recognition here for their efforts this season, mainly because of Nikola Jokic. So it's fitting that he gets that first team all NBA award and that spot at center. What I want to do first, though, is get to a question I got on Jamal Murray from Evan in Castle Rock, otherwise known as Ranchman. Here's what he said. I want to talk about Jamal Murray today. If we accept that it takes three stars to win a championship, then Jamal's performance needs to be viewed through the prism of his current performance when a new contract is considered and not just his upside. Objectively, Jamal is a shooting guard striving to develop nominal point guard skills 
That's a work in progress. I would agree there. He ranked 18th in assists and 55th in turnovers this season. On the other side of the ball, he ranked 415th out of 514 players in defensive plus minus. He showed great growth in the playoffs, certainly well above my expectations until he fell off the cliff in game six and seven of the Portland series. At this time, I do not believe he is a star. There is only one star on this team right now. I would agree with that as well. I accept he might be able to become one. However, there's a great deal of uncertainty in that hope. I have heard varied estimates of what a four-year deal might be worth. The high end has been around $100 million for four years, effectively a maximum contract. Such a contract would not commensurate with his performance today, but in this crazy league, that meant up being the dollars paid to him. And here's where I would say in the NBA, you're paid off of what you're going to do, not what you have done. Let me be clear, that would be a big roll of the dice. I believe that Jamal Murray has real upside, but in his first four years, his four biggest challenges have been poor defense, erratic shooting, and inability or unwillingness to keep the ball moving and poor court vision. The questions with Jamal come down to this when valuing his worth. Can he become a sharpshooter and at least a moderate defender? Every season, there are many, many players who end up with lucrative contracts, but shortly thereafter, the narrative turns to how that team has overpaid and now finds itself in salary cap hell. That's not somewhere a team wants to be as it can take years to extricate itself from that situation while becoming progressively less competitive. I don't believe that paying Jamal Murray an average of $25 million brings a team closer to a championship, but it may be the likely outcome that occurs. I do believe that in the scheme of overall team salary constraints, such a contract puts self-inflicting pressure on Conley to the home run this offseason while adding the hope for a third star who will be obtained in free agency or via trade. The only thing I know for certain is that fans will be very disappointed if the strategy is just to return the same team with some moss improvements around the edges. Kind of surprised there. This is particularly so after Josh Kroenke would have his way to mention on Altitude Radio that he believes that free agents will have an increased interest in the Nuggets. The logical conclusion one would draw is that the Nuggets will seek to go big game hunting in free agency. Tim needs to go for it right now because their window has now opened, but only if Conley proceeds without doing anything reckless. All right, a lot of things I want to get to there. I think the first one is that This playoff run, and I've teased this a little bit, but it's really accelerated the timeline here. Jamal Murray just completed his third season in the NBA, his second as a starting point guard. This guy should be just coming off of his senior season at Kentucky right now. He's 22 years old and just averaged 18.2 points, 4.2 rebounds, 4.8 assists per game. What if I was to tell you guys that Jamal Murray is only one of five point guards since 2008 to average at least 18 points, four rebounds, and four and a half assists in his first three seasons in the league. There's only four other point guards who have done that. Damian Lillard in 2015, when he was 24, so quite a bit older than Jamal Murray. John Wall when he was 22, Derek Rose when he was 22, Russell Westbrook when he was 22. That's it. Those are the only other four point guards other than Jamal Murray to average 18 points four rebounds, and four and a half assists a game in their first three seasons since 2008 when Chris Paul did it. Before that, it wasn't since Gilbert Arenas in 2004. So Jamal Murray is doing things at the age of 21 and 22 that very few other point guards have done. Now, the fact that Denver's been on a big stage especially this season. The fact that a lot of his weaknesses were highlighted in the playoffs, particularly 
early in that first round series against the Spurs and Derek White when the weakest part of Jamal Murray's game right now, which I think is on the defensive end of the floor, that was really magnified. That was magnified on a national stage. That was discussed a lot. We discussed that a lot on this podcast. But that's what comes with the territory of being a team that's going to be in the national spotlight in the playoffs and being a starting point guard on a team like the Nuggets. But I do think it's very important to remind people that Jamal Murray is doing stuff at the age of 22 that doesn't get done that often for a player who's only in his first three seasons in the NBA. That's very important to remember. And if the Nuggets do choose to try to negotiate an extension with him this fall, this summer, before the start of next season, which I expect them to do because I do think Denver wants Jamal Murray to be their franchise point guard here. I don't think they're looking at Kyrie Irving and saying, man, what if we had Kyrie Irving here or Kemba Walker? I think they would rather continue to build this thing with Jamal Murray. They're going to look at what he's done over his first three seasons, what he did this year in just his second full year as a starting point guard in this league, in the Western Conference, going up against these guys every night. But they're also going to look at what's coming down the line. And I think you can definitely project Jamal Murray forward a couple of years and say he's going to improve definitely on the offensive end as a shot maker. He's going to get more comfortable in the pick and roll. The strides he made this year in the two-man game with Nikola Jokic, people don't talk about that enough. He came into this year with a lot of questions about his ability to facilitate out of the pick and roll. And at the beginning of the season, there were some rough edges that he had to sand out there. He did not have a lot of great moments there, particularly early on in the season. But I give him a lot of credit because he improved leaps and bounds as a primary ball handler in the pick and roll with Nikola Jokic. It got to a point midway through the season where that was the Nuggets' go-to play. That became their pet set. And I would be one to say maybe they relied on it a little bit too much at times, but they only relied on it because they knew Jamal Murray could get that ball to Jokic if the situation called for it and if that pass was there. That wasn't something he was able to do at the beginning of the season. So I think his path forward is pretty projectable, and you can see him really continue to take steps on the offensive end. I think you're going to see his shot become more consistent as long as he can get over those ankle injuries. I think those really hobbled him this year, and maybe it's something that sticks with him for a while, but Steph Curry was able to get over those ankle injuries at one point as well. Just his ability as a shot maker that's something that doesn't come around too often. His ability to hit tough shots, we talked about this in the playoffs. He was better closely guarded in the playoffs than he was when he was wide open. It's almost like the most Jamal Murray stat ever, but that ability to hit tough shots, that doesn't come around too often. That stuff doesn't grow on trees. And in a league where the best teams in the Western Conference for the last couple of seasons... If you look at the Warriors or the Rockets or the Thunder, and now some of these new teams on the rise, like the Utah Jazz maybe, they all have dynamic lead ball handlers. And I know Denver's a little bit different with Jokic kind of running things at point, but Jamal Murray can fill that role as a dynamic lead scoring guard. And I think that's really important for a team like the Nuggets that's looking to keep pace with these Western Conference teams that 
pack a ton of firepower on the offensive end. Can Jamal Murray be an all-star next season? I don't think it's out of the question by any means. I think there's a definite chance that he can be an all-star next season. Does that qualify him as a quote-unquote star? I don't know. I would agree with Evan in saying he's not there yet, but I could see him getting there in a year or two. And then say Denver signs him to something like a four-year, $100 million deal. I don't know if that's where his money per year would be or if that's even the right ballpark, but he'd be getting paid about what C.J. McCollum gets paid. He'd be getting paid what Otto Porter gets paid, what DeMar DeRozan gets paid, actually way less than what DeMar DeRozan gets paid. Be getting paid around what Andrew Wiggins, Bradley Beal, Hassan Whiteside, Andre Drummond, Harrison Barnes, Kevin Love, Chandler Parsons, Nicholas Batum. I mean, that's the type of player he'd be getting paid like. And look, Jamal Murray is just getting better and better. A lot of those guys are at their peak, and some are even trending downward. So the couple questions that Evan asks here. He asks the questions with Jamal come down to this one valuing his worth. Can he become a sharpshooter and at least a moderate defender? So Jamal Murray shot 37% from three last year. He shot 38% from three the year before that. I guess the question here is, can he get to 40%? Yeah, he definitely can. He's was at 38%, 37% this year. I think he can get more consistent and approach 40% from three next season. So I'd answer yes to that. Also, can he be a moderate defender? I think he can be a league average defender. That's definitely within his potential. I mean, he's long enough. He's smart enough. He, I've seen him put in the work before on the offensive end of the floor. He'll need to put that same amount of work in on the defensive end of the floor and study film. He'll need to up his hours in the film room to get better on particularly the defensive end, but I think he's got it in him. So I'd answer yes to that. And, you know, even if they dish out that kind of money, I don't see it becoming this albatross type contract because I think Jamal Murray is going to keep getting better. And even if Denver doesn't want him on that contract, I believe another team would. So thanks Evan for that question. A lot of good stuff there. And I'm curious what you guys think, because I've always been a Jamal Murray guy. I think from kind of the second Denver drafted him, I kind of saw this path to the starting point guard gig coming. I've always been a believer in him, but there have been a lot of doubters for sure. And I'm firmly on the path that I think he can be the starting point guard for this team as they rise even further into contender status. Let me hit a break real quick. I want to get into the news that broke here Thursday afternoon that Nicole Jokic got first team on B Center over Joel Embiid. Also, one more question that came through my email as well about Mason Plumley. Let's hit a break, though. We'll be right back. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have 
preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Back here on the BSN Nuggets podcast, we are presented by The Green Solution. If you visit mygreensolution.com, you can use promo code BSN20 and get 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Wind here on a Thursday. Game five, Bucks and Raptors coming up this evening. I've got the Bucks, even though Toronto showed something here over these last couple games. I think this goes seven with Milwaukee winning it. We'll see what happens. Toronto could easily win this series. I'm like 55 45 bucks right now I think it's probably really close if Drake travels to Milwaukee and somehow finesses a seat behind Mike Budenholzer for game five and then game seven I might change my pick to Raptors in seven but I'm still taking bucks in seven we'll see what happens in game five this evening the news of the day though Nicole Jokic gets first team all NBA center that news coming across Thursday afternoon Jokic takes home 59 first place votes to 40 for Joel Embiid, a margin that's quite a bit bigger than I thought. I thought it'd be a little closer than that. It's, of course, Jokic's first All-NBA selection. Jokic becomes the second Nugget ever to be named to an All-NBA first team, joining the Skywalker, David Thompson, who did so twice in both 1976-77 and 1977-78. Jokic is the first Serbian to ever be named first-team All-NBA. Also, Jokic is the seventh Nugget to be named to an All-NBA team, joining David Thompson, Alex English, Fat Lever, Antonio McDyess, Chauncey Billups, and Carmelo Anthony. Before I get into Jokic versus Embiid, I want to address a topic that's been a bit of a point of contention over the last couple seasons. Carmelo Anthony played in Denver, had a storied career as a Nugget. Really, what I would argue is... and. This probably isn't even that debatable, but Carmelo Anthony's best years of his career obviously came in Denver. He was really not the same type of player in New York. When he was with the Nuggets, one of the best scorers in the league, arguably the best pound-for-pound scorer in the game. He wore number 15. Nikola Jokic wears number 15. And over the last couple years, we've talked about this a little bit here and there in the media when it's come up. You know, we're sitting around a table in the press lounge an hour before a game, twiddling our thumbs, just talking shop. Hey, would the Nuggets retire Carmelo Anthony's number while Nikola Jokic is still playing? And I think the consensus has pretty much been, no, they'd probably hold off. And it would be a little awkward, don't you think, if they're retiring a number 15 while a guy is also wearing number 15 and probably on track to supplant Carmelo Anthony as clearly the best number 15 and potentially rise to the best player ever to wear a Nuggets uniform. You know, as that would be happening, it would have always seemed awkward. And I think there have been some people that said, oh, yeah, you definitely retire Carmelo Anthony's jersey. He's a legend, obviously. 
that's just the type of thing you do when you're a franchise like Denver and you have a player like Carmelo Anthony that played so many years for you, won you so many games, got you to the playoffs so often, even though they didn't win a ton of playoff series with Melo here. But, I mean, after this year, I don't even think that's a question anymore. How could you even think about retiring a number 15 when Nikola Jokic is doing what he's done over the last two years and particularly this season? I mean, this guy is not only on track to surpass what Carmelo Anthony did for this franchise. He might already be there. And I know Carmelo got Denver to a lot of playoff appearances. Those were a lot of one-and-dones as well. But what Nikola Jokic has done to just elevate the Nuggets franchise in this day and age, he probably hasn't surpassed what Carmelo Anthony did for Denver, but he's getting pretty close. And I think another playoff appearance and another playoff series victory might do it. And that could happen as soon as next season. So it's been a fun little discussion, but I can't see how you could seriously say Denver should retire Carmelo Anthony's jersey when Nicole Jokic is doing what he's done for these last couple years. And that brings me to today and Thursday when he is named first-team All-NBA center. A huge day in Nuggets history for sure. And here's what I think it came down to with Jokic and Embiid, if you're talking about who deserved this award and whatnot. This is a regular season award. Let me get that out of the way, even though I think there's a playoff component that's important to this. This is a regular season award cut and dry, black and white. And if you look at their individual numbers, it can't get much closer than this. Individual counting stats, you probably got to give the nod to Joel Embiid. I mean, his stats were monstrosous this season. 27.5 points, 13.6 rebounds, 3.7 assists per game to Jokic's 20.1 points, 10.8 rebounds, 7.3 assists per game. The advanced stats, you got to give to Jokic. He's an advanced stats darling, obviously. Didn't have the high usage percentage that Embiid did. Jokic had a 27.5 usage percentage. Embiid's was a little over 33.3. But more offensive win shares accounted for more defensive win shares, higher offensive and defensive box plus minus, higher value over replacement player. And B did best him in real plus minus, though. But you got to give the advanced stats nod to Jokic. On off court impact, pretty even. Jokic's on off court impact would look better if Denver's bench wasn't so freaking good throughout the regular season. That's, that's a reason why. Denver's net rating with Jokic on the bench wasn't as bad as it was last season, per se, because Denver's bench was actually competent this year and really for most of the year, one of the better second units in the league. But their regular seasons, man, it was pretty close. Jokic was probably the leader in the clubhouse over the first 10 games of the season when Denver got off to that 9-1 start. Maybe Embiid took it back around the All-Star break when he was the starter for that Eastern Conference team. Jokic came off the bench, of course. And then Jokic had just that great close to the season as well. I think in the intangibles is probably where Jokic takes home the crown here and why voters probably elevated him above Embiid for that first-team center spot. And the intangibles are, A, durability. 
Jokic played more minutes than Embiid. He played more games, 80 to 64, and just had a bigger responsibility night in and night out. I think Embiid's supporting cast was better than Denver's. Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, I think that's better than Denver's second, third, and fourth best players, if that's Gary Harris, Paul Millsap, and Jamal Murray, whatever order you want to slot those guys. I think Philly has the advantage there. And just the injuries, too. Jokic was an Iron Man this season. He only averaged 31 minutes a night, a little over 31 minutes a night. That was by design. Denver wanted to keep his minutes down so they could play him heavy, heavy minutes in the playoffs, which is what they did, almost 40 per game. But he was an Iron Man because he was the one constant in a starting lineup that was really in flux throughout the entire regular season. Denver used 16 starting lineups, I think. So many injuries. Will Barton missed three months. Paul Millsap had a broken toe. Had a couple other little injuries sprinkled in here and there. Gary Harris was banged up the whole year. Jamal Murray missed a few games with that ankle injury midway through the year. Nikola Jokic was the one constant. Now, this guy who gets knocked about his athleticism from time to time and really has for the last four seasons was a beast. He was an Iron Man. He really captained Denver throughout the whole season, was the one really symbol of stability in that starting lineup. And that's really probably what puts him over the top when you're looking at him versus Embiid, who was injured from time to time, still played a lot of games. 64 games is a good amount of games for Joel Embiid, but it's not 80. And Jokic only missed two games the entire season. One was when he was suspended. The other was when he rested late in the year against Portland. So I think that carries a lot of weight in the argument as well. The other piece of the argument is Denver was just a better team than Philadelphia this season. I think this also puts Jokic over the top. Nuggets won 54 games this season in a more difficult Western Conference. Philly won 51 in the East. And just the heavy lifting that Jokic did, I think, earned him this all-NBA center spot. Well-deserved, I think. He was there on my ballot. I didn't know if he would be there on enough media ballots across the country to get him that first-team spot. He was, and it's a great honor for Denver, a, a big day for the organization. Jokic just really continues to get validation and the validation he's deserved that he hasn't gotten for the last couple of seasons. When we look back at Nikola Jokic and his career, you're either going to be on the right side or the wrong side of history. And I hope if you've been listening to this podcast and really taking to heart what we've been saying about this guy and how good he is and how even right now, this might sound crazy to say, but I don't think we truly appreciate how good he is. I think he might be even better than we give him credit for. I hope you're on the right side of history. The other thing that Jokic getting first-team All-NBA does is it just continues to raise Denver's profile for prospective free agents, just their organizational clout across the league. And I spoke about this earlier this week, but Denver might want to go big game hunting. And Evan kind of touched on this in his email a little bit ago in the first segment. But I think Denver does try to go big game hunting with a few top free agents. I don't know if they get there. And I would project that Denver will likely roll back most of their roster from last season. And I don't think you guys should be disappointed in that. 
by any means. I mean, this was a really good team. Maybe they can bring a little free agent in here to bolster the bench or whatnot, but this was a great team this season. I don't think Denver should be looking to make wholesale changes or really try to speed up their timeline because they just exceeded expectations this year by any means. They should keep going with the process and the prudent philosophy that's got them here. But Jokic does give them another ace in their back pocket to say, hey, if winning is your top priority as a free agent, you can come here and play alongside the best center in the league. Just look at the All-NBA voting. That will tell you that he's the best center in the league. And you can play alongside the most unselfish superstar in the league as well. It's the same guy. He'd rather assist on your three-pointers than make his own. Who wouldn't want to play with that? So Jokic is going to be Denver's biggest recruiting chip. I've spoken on this podcast this week and written this on bsndenver.com. You can also find on bsndenver.com my story from today on Jokic getting that first team center nod and just the significance of that and how his playoff performance, which I did want to touch on quickly, and I will in a second, validated that even more. But guys across the league recognize Jokic's talent. I think more and more will think to themselves, hey, it'd be fun to play with this guy. I don't know if it will happen this summer when you're talking about a Kevin Durant, when you're talking about a Kawhi Leonard, when you're talking about a Klay Thompson, who, if you're a Nuggets fan, you should be rooting very hard for the Bucks or the Raptors in the NBA Finals because if they do topple the Warriors, I think there's a chance Klay Thompson would leave. A small chance, but a chance. And man, he'd be perfect in Denver. He's number two on my free agent wish list behind Kevin Durant. You guys know that from Wednesday's show ahead of Kawhi Leonard. I think he'd be a better fit here than Kawhi. So that's what you should be rooting for as a Nuggets fan. But guys should, and I think guys will want to play with Nikola Jokic. If not this summer, then we'll see that next summer. The final aspect of Jokic versus Embiid, it's what happened in the playoffs. And I know this is a regular season award, but I really feel like Jokic validated this first-team All-NBA selection with what he did in the playoffs. I mean, he smoked Embiid if you're just looking at those two guys' stats side-by-side. Jokic played in 14 games, Embiid played in 11. Jokic averaged 39.7 minutes per game in the playoffs, Embiid averaged 30.4. Jokic shot at 50.5% from the field, 39% from three. Embiid shot at 43% from the field, 31% from three. Jokic averaged 13 rebounds to Embiid's 10.5. Jokic averaged 8.4 assists to Embiid's 3.5. Jokic averaged more steals, less blocks, and then 25 points per game to Embiid's 20. So Jokic proved that he can definitely take his game to a new level in the playoffs. He's got that extra gear. Embiid did not have a great showing in the playoffs, but I just think those playoff stats are good to look at if you're questioning the selection of Jokic over Embiid. Their regular season numbers, I think it was a toss-up. I really wouldn't have been too upset if Embiid had won the award. I think he had a case for it. But the playoffs, if you're factoring that in, which I know it's a regular season award, but if you're looking back at it now, Jokic definitely outplayed him. And I think it just is another piece to his all-NBA resume. Let's hit another break. I want to get to another question that came in via fan mail to wind at bsndenver.com. If you guys have questions for me, you can submit them there. 
and I'll read them on the podcast like I've been doing. Let's take a break and we'll get to that. We'll be right back. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out Elixinol.com. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast. As always, we're presented by The Green Solution. Go to MyGreenSolution.com and use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Wind here on a Thursday. The big news of the day, of course, Nicole Jokic getting that first team all NBA center spot over Joel Embiid. Only the second nugget ever, other than David Thompson, to get first team all NBA. So, huge moment for the franchise for sure. And the last thing I want to hit on here one more piece of fan mail I got from Rob in the UK. He's got a question about Plumley. Actually, his subject of this email moving on from Mason Plumley. Rob writes, do you think if the opportunity arises, the Nuggets could move on from Plumlee? I think the Nuggets desperately need an athletic rim protector since Jokic and Millsap aren't that athletic. While Plumlee is athletic, he wasted on the defensive end with falling for pump fakes and constantly being out of position. I don't mean this as a personal insult towards Plumlee, but he is a very reckless and low basketball IQ player on a team full of the exact opposites. Jab bigs in mind that you would replace him with, and if the Nuggets don't, would you mind them trading into the late first, early second round and drafting a guy like Bruno Fernando, who may also be reckless, but as young, has elite athleticism, was a good rim protector in college. Wow, a couple things to get you there. First off, Rob, thanks for the question. Glad you guys are listening over in the UK. But man, you guys are harsh. Mason Plumlee was one of the best backup centers in the league this season. I know he... Did not look great in the playoffs. I know the Nuggets bench did not look great in the playoffs. But man, it's easy to forget how good he was over the course of the regular season. We talked on this podcast about how he was arguably the best backup center in the league this year. Maybe the best. So he wasn't great in the playoffs. And I agree with a couple of those points there. He was out of position a lot for sure. False for pump fakes a lot. But it could be a lot worse. Denver could be a lot worse off at backup center than Mason Plumley. I don't think the Nuggets look to deal him, no, by any means. If an opportunity arose where they could get a different backup center, I don't really know who that guy would be. You guys know I'm a big Kevin Looney guy who's a free agent, but when you've already got Plumley on your roster, you can't really try to splurge for him. I don't think Denver would want to put a... 20 to 25 minute per game responsibility on a 
late first, early second round guy like Bruno Fernando, who I know he's from the UK. I'm sorry if he's a relative of yours, Rob, but watched him in the tournament for a couple games. Wasn't entirely impressed. I know he had a good season at Maryland, but didn't exactly pop to me. Again, sorry if he's a personal family member or a close friend. So I don't think that's the route the Nuggets go either. I think they bring Plumlee back, and yes, he has his faults, but Denver could be a lot worse off at backup center. And throughout the regular season, he was great. He could play with Jokic. He could play with Paul Millsap. And while I don't think he's going to be on this team, say, in two seasons, I think he'll be back next year. And I think he can give Denver solid minutes again in the regular season. He's got his faults for sure. A couple of them you outlined there, which I agree with. But I think Denver could be in a lot worse of a position than they are. Thanks for the question, though, Rob. I'm glad you guys are listening there over in the UK. Cheers. I think that's all the time I got for today, guys. Thanks for the questions and comments. If you're calling into the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, 1-800-BSN-8394. Might get to those calls on Friday. If you got a question you want to submit via email, wind at bsndenver.com, wind at bsndenver.com. Be back with another show on Friday to wrap up the week. Talk to you then. Hey, BSN Denver listeners. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive, and the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door.